0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a
1: series of programs on the subject of forgiveness, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was addressing the subject of antinomianism. There are people who believe... That the complete forgiveness of sins cannot be taught because it leads an individual to the point of having a complete practical disregard for the law of God and a callous lack of concern for violating it. That's a direct quote from probably the most popular grace teachers in the world. And I say he's popular, he's very well known, because there are so many people who truly believe what he teaches And this is what he teaches. He teaches that we cannot tell others that they have been totally forgiven of their sins. Because if we do that, then they will understand that they have been set free from the law because the penalty has been fulfilled through the crucifixion. And if people are set free from the law, then they will have a disregard for it. They will have a lack of concern for violating it. Now, let me tell you something about true believers, true Christians. I have yet to ever meet a true Christian, a true believer. And what I mean by that is an individual who not only knows the gospel, but also rests and trusts in what Christ Jesus has done for them. I have yet to meet anyone who has a practical disregard for the law or a callous lack of concern for violating it. I am not saying that they don't violate it. What I am saying is that when they do violate it, they do have a concern for violating it. And they do regard the law very highly. However, they are not willing to deny reality. They are not willing to deny the truth. They are willing to acknowledge that they are inadequate and they will prayerfully continue to live with the hope and expectation that the Lord will do a work in their hearts to the extent that perhaps one day they may say no to the temptations of life that they struggle with. But there is no lack of concern. There is a lot of concern. So I believe that true believers will not fall in this trap. However, it is true that there are a lot of people who will follow the heresy of antinomianism, which is a big word that just means someone who is against the law. In this context, they are against the law because they have a callous lack of concern for violating it or they have a disregard for it because of the complete forgiveness that they have. But this is the point, is that people will not teach the truth because they are afraid that people will misuse the truth for a purpose that the Lord never intended the truth to be used for in this context as an excuse to continue to sin. And they're right. They're absolutely right. As I was explaining in the previous program, these folks are absolutely right, that there are people who will have a callous lack of concern for violating the law if they know that they have been totally forgiven. However, I am willing, I am personally willing to let that be the cost of telling the truth. Most people are not willing to let that be the cost. And that's a difference between myself and many others. There are differences between people, and I simply am able to identify one of these differences between myself and others. And that is that I would rather teach the truth so that some people will believe the truth, some people will, will begin to grow in their relationship with their God. Some people will actually know their God. I would rather teach the truth so that some people will know their God than to teach a lie and no one know their God. And that's the trade-off. That's the cost. If people are going to misuse the word of God, you're going to have to decide if you're going to give them the ability to do that and the freedom to do that, Or you are going to misuse and show a total practical disregard for the scriptures and the truth of God and show a callous lack of concern for violating the truth that the Lord has revealed. That's what people are doing. They are the ones who are antinomians. They are the ones who believe this antinomianist kind of stuff because they are showing that they have a lack of concern for violating the truth because they are afraid that people will misuse it. And so they would rather lie to you and prevent you from ever knowing your God than giving you the opportunity to know your God, but others will continue to indulge their flesh. Now, the bottom line is, is that if people do not know their God, there will never be a change in a person's heart. There will never be a change. Now, you may be able to manipulate people's flesh by threatening them, by promising them blessings, by promising them rewards in heaven, by all kinds of stuff like that. You might be able to give people enough incentives to not violate the law, but that has nothing to do with a real change of a person's heart. That has nothing to do with a person growing to have a relationship with their God. So people would rather manipulate other people's flesh That's what I'm saying, is that pastors would rather try to manipulate the flesh of their congregations and try to get people's flesh under control than to direct people to actually know their God and experience a personal relationship with Him. And my friend, you've got to decide. If you understand this, you have really got to make some decisions. Are you going to continue to help people to do that? Are you going to continue to pay people to do that to yourself and to others? Are you going to work for that? Are you going to attend their meetings and participate, you know, increase their numbers and so that gives them some sense of legitimacy? Is is that what you're going to do? Are you going to continue to support that kind of garbage, those kinds of lies, those kinds of deceptions? Are you going to continue to do that perhaps because you're there for business contacts or you're there for other reasons, a place for your kids to hang out? Who knows why people are in places like that? In general, you're not there for the truth anyway. But the point is, is that you have got to make some decisions about what you're really going to do now. And I'm not saying that you have to now all of a sudden start supporting my work and help me to set people free. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I will continue to do what I am doing, regardless of whether you're going to help me or not. That's not the issue here. The issue is, what are you going to do? What are you going to decide? And how are you going to live? Because this is a matter between you and the Lord. Not you and me. This is an issue between you and your God. Now, let me help you identify whether or not you are supporting stuff like this. There's a simple way to recognize this, and this is how you can do it. When it comes to living the Christian life, a lot of people believe that the purpose of the Christian life is to stop sinning. And they start teaching the law, and they teach you that you have not been completely forgiven so that you can have some incentive not to sin. This is how you can identify this. This is the easiest way, because this is the conclusion or the follow-up. But the fact remains is that you cannot teach this if you teach the complete forgiveness of sins. If a person is totally forgiven, then you no longer can teach or believe that your relationship with your God is about incentives to stop sinning. Because these incentives have to do with the idea that he still holds your sins against you. Again, incentives mean that your God still holds your sins against you. And if Jesus died for all of your sins, if you have been totally forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future, then he does not hold your sins against you. So what are these incentives? This is how you can know that a person is not teaching the truth that people are not believing the truth. It's because of these incentives. Because these incentives have to do with your God still holding your sins against you. I keep saying that because there are so many people who are confused about this. They're confused because they try to believe both things, both theologies, both beliefs, and it just leads to this complete sense of instability. They're totally unstable because they're double-minded. And this is why. This is the issue. Now, I don't normally like to duplicate work that I have done. I do try to keep every program relatively independent, but I'm going to take a piece of the work that I did on the subject of overcoming sin. I did do a series of programs on overcoming sin where I talk about this, and so I'm going to ask you to please you know, recognize that I have done this in another series, and I would like to encourage you to listen to that because I do believe it's an important subject. It's not as though I have some disregard for sin in people's lives. That's not the issue. The issue is, is that there is a way that God can transform our hearts that is completely outside of the law. And he does this. He does this in people's lives. And we can be thankful for that. And when he doesn't, we can be thankful too. All right? But this is the example that I used there. It's the example of adultery. Imagine your spouse comes home and says to you, sweetheart, I just want you to know that I've been struggling with the sin of adultery. I never wanted to tell you before because I certainly was very ashamed of that, but I'm no longer as ashamed as I once was because I experienced the temptation today, but today was different because even though the temptation I experienced was the greatest, perhaps, temptation I have ever encountered, I mean, this person was extremely tempting and it really, really tore at me deep inside. But I said no. I said no to the temptation to commit adultery with this individual. And the reason why is because I didn't want God to punish me for sinning. Or perhaps I did this because I didn't want to miss out on an opportunity to be blessed by God. Now, how would that make you feel if your spouse said that to you? If they said, I didn't commit adultery because I wanted to avoid The punishment of God, because I think he might have punished me because of that. I'm sure that would make you feel real good, wouldn't it? Or how about because they didn't want to miss out on some blessing from God? Well, that sounds great. What happens if God doesn't deliver an adequate blessing real soon? Perhaps by the next time they get tempted to commit this sin. Then what's going to happen? Or how about this? Because I didn't want to miss out on a reward in heaven. How about that one? Or because I wanted to show God how much I loved him or because I wanted to show my appreciation for what God has done for me. These are the kinds of things that people are teaching. And if this is what they're teaching, then you need to understand that they don't believe in complete forgiveness. Because if your spouse comes to you and tells you stuff like that, you're going to know that there's definitely something wrong with their heart. Definitely, something seriously wrong. And you may be thankful that they overcame that sin, but on the other hand, you're going to be looking at an individual who you probably will look at differently from now on, I'm sure. Because that is evil. That is horrible. How about, I didn't commit adultery because there's no way that I could possibly do that because I love you, because I'm committed to you, because you're my spouse. How about something like that? Anything like that? No. No, we want to say no to sin because we want to be loving to God or because we want to be blessed by God. That's a load of garbage. That is just downright evil. That's what that is. And I put it in that context because that's usually a subject that's very touchy to people. I'm not wanting to stir up, you know, old feelings or disappointments or make you paranoid or anything like that. I'm only saying that because this is what people really believe. People teach things like, you should stop sinning because if you really appreciated what your God did for you, then you would show it by not sinning as much anymore. Or you should stop sinning because your God is going to punish you if you don't stop sinning. Or you should stop sinning because God is trying to bless you. He's got these blessings he's withholding and he wants to give them to you, but he's waiting for you to get this sin, this particular sin out of your life. When people are teaching stuff like that, What they mean is, is that God still holds your sins against you. Or, how about this? He wants you to stop sinning because He wants to give you some rewards in heaven. Well, the reason why He's withholding rewards is because He holds your sins against you. You understand? The whole message is still that he holds your sins against you. The only way he can hold your sins against you is if he hasn't forgiven you of all of your sins. And the only way that he can forgive you of all of your sins is through the death of the living God manifested in the flesh as the Lord Jesus on the cross. So either he did it or he didn't. Either he was who he said he was or he wasn't. Either it's finished or it isn't finished. And you got to make some choices because if you don't, you will never know the truth. You will never be set free from the bondage of sin. From the bondage of the devil, you will never be, the work I did on spiritual warfare addresses this from a different point of view. I'd like to encourage you to hear those CDs too on spiritual warfare. But you will never be set free from the devil because he will use you and abuse you and destroy you. That's what he's gonna do through lies like this. And you have got to separate yourself from people who believe this kind of stuff and you gotta stop supporting people who teach this kind of stuff. You gotta get out of this. Because if you don't, you will never have an opportunity to truly know your God. You have got to believe the truth that he no longer holds your sins against you. And all this stuff that people are teaching about overcoming sin, there is a way of overcoming sin that we do experience that. Like I said, I did a series of programs on that as well. But when people teach that this is how it's done, then you know you're listening to somebody who does not know complete forgiveness. They either don't know the complete forgiveness of sins, or they know it and they are deliberately lying to you for their own personal self-interest. And they are using you to indulge their own personal self-interest, to indulge their flesh. And that, to me, is a religious sin that I believe God looks down on. I do. I believe that there will be a discussion these individuals will have concerning that now I don't mean that in the sense that the Lord is going to hold those sins against them I believe that the Lord makes decisions about who enters into the kingdom of heaven and who does not on the basis of the gospel not on the basis of people's performance and perhaps this discussion will take place in a very polite way to the extent where there will be a great understanding that will unfold and I believe that the Lord wants them to know the truth and he will find a way to do that in a very gentle and loving way However, between now and then, there are a lot of people who are in this world who are suffering because of this kind of stuff. And I'm wanting to take this opportunity to address this subject so that you and others can have an opportunity to experience the freedom that he has called you to. Not the freedom to go out and indulge your flesh, but the freedom to be able to now walk through this door that has been opened. This opens the door. Forgiveness is what opens the door to walk in the new life that the living God has made available for us. He has given us an opportunity to walk through that door and live in a completely different way. And this is what makes it possible. So if you don't believe in the complete forgiveness of sins, it's not even possible for you to walk through this door. And this is unique. You can't just look ahead. You're not going to be able to look ahead and see how he can transform you from the inside and then decide if you want to approve that or not. Again, you cannot look ahead and see the relationship that you might be able to have with him to see how he might transform you from the inside and see whether or not you're going to approve of it. And then that will be the deciding factor as to whether or not you're going to believe and follow the truth and walk through this door. He hasn't given you that opportunity to evaluate him, to evaluate the relationship that he wants to have with you. He has given you the truth, and you must believe the truth and respond to that truth. This is what I call stepping out in faith, believing and expressing your faith in your God. Trust him and believe this. Embrace it, hold on to it, and walk through the door that has been opened up to you to walk in the newness of life, to live in the new covenant so that you can begin to know your God. When the Lord spoke of the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34, again, this is Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34, he says that there is going to be a new covenant and this new covenant is not going to be like the old covenant, which means that if what you think is the new covenant is anything like the old covenant, it's not the new covenant. If you believe that the Mosaic law has a place in the new covenant, then it's like the old. It's not the new. He explains what the new covenant is going to be about. The fact that he's going to give you a number of things. And I'm not going to read that passage at this moment. That he gives you a number of things. And the reason why he is able to give you what he describes At the end, he says he's going to make this possible because he is going to remember your sins no more. So either he remembers your sins no more or he still holds your sins against you in some way. But if he does still remember your sins and holds them against you in some way, then you don't have the new covenant. You just don't have it. You don't know the new covenant and you have not entered into the new covenant that he has established. And this is not about your approval. This is not about you thinking that it's going to work out for you. It's not that way. You must surrender. You must surrender to the new covenant. There's no opportunity for you to negotiate this. There's no opportunity to see if this meets your intellectual approval. You must know the truth. You must believe the truth. You must respond to the truth and let him perform the work that he said he would do. And he will do it and he will complete it. You must believe because if you don't, you will never, ever know your God, ever, And I want you to know your God. I do. I really want you to know the Lord. And when you know the Lord in the new covenant, it's not the kind of knowing that somebody instructed you in. It's the kind of knowing that he reveals himself to you. I can tell you about him. I can tell you that the door has been opened, but you have got to walk through it. You have got to do that. You must turn to him. You cannot Live on my faith. You must have your own. I cannot teach you to know your God. I can only take away the barriers that prevent you from knowing him. I can teach you about the lies and the truth I can teach you about what is true, but I cannot teach you to know him. I can only tell you who he is and direct you towards him so that you can personally go to him so that he will reveal himself to you and so that you will know the Lord. That is the new covenant. It is the opportunity to know your God, to know the Lord, because the old covenant provided no opportunity to know your God. There was never any command, there was never any commandment, no admonition, no promise, no blessing, no nothing that ever suggested that you would ever know your God. But now, through the new covenant, through the forgiveness of sins, you can. The law was given so that he could use the law to show us our depravity, to show us that we have a need for grace and mercy. He gave us the law to provide us with prophetic inferences concerning the coming of the Messiah so that we could identify who He is, so that He could show us how He would provide us with salvation. The law was also given to provide us with foreshadowings concerning the new life that we can now walk in, the promised land of having rest and peace in our hearts. The law was given for the purpose of leading a person to the Messiah, so use it for that purpose. But the new covenant according to Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 34, is that they will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. The sin issue is over.